episode of print run my name is eric kane and with me as always though remotely again for the second straight piece of recording we'll see how this affects us folks um is laura zatz say hello laura hello laura and for the record i would like to point out that eric is actually the one that is remote i am the one that is speaking into the microphone in our recording studio okay but that's not because i'm bad no no. Though perhaps neither of us is bad. The winter. The winter weather is bad. It's also, the winter. Also, I sound like this because I have a very deep cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love my coworkers enough to not sneeze or cough in their faces. So now That's, you yep. just get to hear my beautiful, like, Marge Simpson voice <laughs> on 45 minutes of a podcast. It's great. So... It's going to be a fun show today, folks. This is the, well, I guess what we're kind of calling the official Decembo uh, podcast. The Decembosode. Um, the Decembosode. Um, you can weigh in if you think that middle vowel should be an O or an I. I'm leaning toward an O. Um, but anyway, before we get going into all of that, we're going to talk about things like self-editing and evaluation and all of the things that are in the spirit of this season of Editing the work you theoretically produced in November. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to all of that, how about the basic rundown? Yeah, so welcome. We're at December. This is the last month of the decade. So that means that we are heading into a decade that has never not existed without print run. So I'm really pleased about that. I hope you are too. Um, coming later <laughs> coming later this month, basically in between now and the holidays, we will be having three special episodes. As always, there will be our query episode and our first pages episode uploaded to patreon.com. We will also have a third special episode. And this one we leave a little bit loose, a little bit open, because um, we hear in from listeners like you who say, hey, I really need to hear about this. Yeah. And so we don't yet have a topic for this month. If you send us some emails at printrunpodcast at gmail.com, you might recognize that email is the same place you send your queries and first pages to. Mm -hmm. Um, You can suggest a third special episode to us and we... Um, if, if, you know, if it's a, if it's a good fit and it's meaty enough to do about half an hour on, um, we'll do it. And if it's not quite meaty enough, we save those up and then, you know, once or twice a year, we just do them all at once. So that's super fun. (laughs) Your content does not go ignored though, folks. If you send it in, we'll do something with it. We save it. We save it for sure. That's Um, right. (laughs) Yeah. So again, that is printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to listen to those special episodes, head on over to Patreon. Okay. So Eric, happy December. You know, Laura, it's great to be here. Um, I'm glad that we've made it to this beautiful season of lights. National Novel Writing Month is over. Um, That's November, as anyone who's listening to this almost certainly knows. Um, And the question then becomes, you've written this whole book, right? Like, if you're someone who really did it, I mean, kudos to you if you were someone who managed to get, I don't even, what is the official word count? 50,000 in 30 days. (laughs) 50,000. That's very stressful to me um, (laughs) to think about, and I will not be thinking about it anymore. 
Um, but you produce a lot of words in a short period of time, whether you finish the book or you got a big chunk of it done, or you finished something you'd already started with. However, you use the season to produce a ton of words, the impulse then, and I think, especially given what book Twitter is like, which is this constant, um, emphasis on queries and submissions and pitch contests and all this stuff, like all anyone talks about is pitch, 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 pitch. And oftentimes what that means is that we get people's nano novels, um, which is bad. Um, I think which, we can just say that that's just bad. <laughs> well, so it's not bad eventually, right? Like theoretically, no, after some time where we're going to, and some of the steps that we're going to talk about today, um, it's actually very good to get people's, you know, novels that they wrote during national novel writing month. But the point remains that if you write something that fast, it's going to have, it's going to need some work, right? right. Like it's going to need some, you're going to need to revise it. You're going to need to spend some time with it. You're going to need to let it sit, all these different things. And that's where this season that we you have lovingly termed Decembo. Uh, don't ask us why it's called that. It just is. Um, we had whiskey but- one night. Don't judge us. <laughs> was that the night that I was over? And I had to stay and my car got stuck and your cats no. were like yelling no, no, at me. No, no, The night you had to stay was the first night we recorded print run after I moved into my new house. Oh, um, yeah. So we were like not yet unpacked and and you came over to record and we were recording like four episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, Always because, a great decision by us when yeah, we do that. Because I had yeah. been moving and whatever. Right. Um, and while we were recording... There was this horrible blizzard and we didn't really know. Like we knew it was going to snow, but we didn't really like know. And then we go outside and, you know, Eric's digging his car out. And one of my new neighbors who have never met Mm -hmm. comes and helps him. And Mm -hmm. I come and help him and whatever that he drives off. Ten minutes later, I get a text message. I'm out shoveling, (laughs) so I don't get the message. But I'm out shoveling my car. That was really good. my sidewalk. And he's like. I don't know where I am and I'm stuck. And he was two blocks away. And he's like, can you bring a shovel? So we got your car parked and then you stayed the night. And then the next day we got you out. But anyway, that is a good diversion, but welcome to Minnesota, everybody. (laughs) Um, But the point is that is sort of the spirit of this season, which is we are all going to dig our own cars out metaphorically together today. And quite literally Uh, (laughs) later today, I will be digging my car out. I know. Seriously. It snowed again today. Um, but so basically, I mean, the point of this season, I'm usually we do it through like, you know, we do some funny posts and things like that. And like the general tone, I think like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we do a lot of little memes and we do a lot of things like that. And I think like the undercurrent of it is actually worth voicing as main text here, as opposed to subtext, which is that, um, there is a certain amount of cultivated antagonism one has to have toward their own work at this stage, if that makes sense. Like, you spend that much time in National Novel Writing Month. You're bound to eventually like what you have, right? Like, if you're spending, yes. if you're spending, if you were 50,000 words in 30 days, something about it was compelling you forward other than the shame of not doing it. Um, though, as I said, I guess the shame of not doing things compels me to do most things. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess like the point is that this is a month, you know, if, you know, we frame it as an editing month, but really what it is, is it's a month that's designed around getting yourself to be able to see your work clearly and give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it kind of hinges all on, and this is something that isn't just related to national novel writing month, which is what I hopefully makes uh, this particular episode last a little bit longer than just being a seasonal thing. But 
it comes down to this question of when is something done, right? Like, how do you know when you've drafted something that it's ready for beta readers or it's that it's ready for, um, I don't know, you know, the agents you want to submit to. Or, Laura, I mean, we can extend that question to your and my work. Mm-hmm. Like, When are we ready you, to submit a book to editors? How is something ready? So how is something, you know, if you've got a client who's working on something, when is it ready? When is it time for you to look at it as opposed to one of their readers? Or when is it time for you to actually go out and pitch it? Because everyone in this equation is a little bit exacting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, you know, I don't work with people who aren't, you know, who don't pay attention to, you know, this sort of detail, right? Like they really, like, basically the point here is like everyone could tinker forever, right? Right. And so eventually you have to make a decision. And I think like that can be a scary decision sometimes. It's certainly an inexact when you're going by feel and it all kind of circles around various editorial issues um, that relate to, again, that central question of when is something you're working on finished enough for Mm -hmm. the next stage, right? And so I guess like, how do you frame that in your head? Like if you were to advise a writer, like on that basic question to start, how would you do it? Yeah. So I think, I think it's worth, cause there's different levels of done, um, throughout the process. Right. So in general, when people are, and I, I work with every author that I sign is, you know, not every author, but many, many authors that I sign at the beginning of their career with me, their their debuts, right? They haven't they yeah. haven't had a book out before. Right. Um but then I like keep working with them. <laughs> and so I see, you know, after that first book, I see a lot of books that are earlier on in the process. And so I get this question a lot, um, and from people at conferences, which is, okay, so I think when it's done for a writer who's drafting is it's the question of when do I show it to somebody? And that somebody, I think it's worth mentioning, first of all, that that somebody is not an agent, right? right. Like, even right. if you have an agent, the first person you show your work to should not be that agent. It should be a critique partner or somebody who um, can, like, basically helps you develop the work before we put our professional eye to it. Because that's right. fundamentally what's going to be happening is we're going to be editing it for the market and you want it to be all like as good as you can make it in terms of the story before we we, before we throw the market into the mix is that making sense to you eric yeah no it's making it's making sense so far and especially because like and I want to back, like, in a minute, I want to back up to the question, to because you've zeroed in on, like, the good first step, right? Like, which is, yeah. when is it ready to send to readers? But, but in terms of, like, what you're describing, like, something that I've found a lot lately is that um, something has to have been, like, our, your, your and my job is to, is, and this is a phrase you used to me the other day that I thought was really sharp. Um, you edit to sell. You and right? I do edit. We edit to sell. And what that means is that, by the time we get it, our editing should be focusing on, like, it should be focusing on finer details, right? Like, it should be focused. And sometimes, you know, you got to weigh in on something developmentally earlier. But, like, our job is not to, like, be fundamentally grappling with, like, the main point of the manuscript. With the right? type you know of I mean? book that the book is. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. already so been like, decided by the time that we get it. Exactly. And so it's, like, if you and I are trying to look at something that is, and you know, being able to basically like say, okay, well, how can I get this to market? Those are smaller considerations than what 
is this? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and again, like I'm saying that and that's reductive. We've all done that sort of work before, but that's kind of the key, right? And so if something is too early stage, it's hard to see that because Mm -hmm. it's not ready yet. You know, it's not ready to make the kind of call for how it can be brought to market. So, and so it's worth really, really quickly. It's worth mentioning that the concept of edits to bring something to market aren't necessarily small, but they are always high level. Um, so what I mean by that is like, I sent, um, a couple of notes for revision on a manuscript this morning and some of the stuff was, Hey, this one thing needs to be mentioned a little bit earlier, just kind of in passing. But then I've also given feedback for that market level thing where it's like, Hey, this book is actually two different books and you need to cut it in half and turn them into two books. Um, and so, and that is something that's like, can be deeply frustrating to think about like, okay, if you're not supposed to give it to your agent right away, you're just supposed to do the book and show it to somebody and then, you know, keep revising and keep revising. And then you give it to your agent and your agent tells you to like chop it in half and then turn it right. into two books. Like, how is that great? But the, but the thing is, is that concept of either just like zhuzh this a little bit or hey, this actually has kind of two different personalities, two different vibes. It's a totally different book in the second half. Um, Like that can't be arrived at unless all of the other work has done before. If that makes sense. I think think it makes sense because, and that just kind of gets back to that question of like, you know, we're going by feel. Right. And right. so to me, if I'm looking at that and it's, you know, it's all an imprecise, it's all in very imprecise, you know, like I've taken things on at different stages, um, at both to represent and decided to, deciding to pitch like all this different stuff, but you do have to be able to see it like mm-hmm. in terms of it's like one, and this is, you know, this is kind of off topic, but I guess it's not like when I'm looking at manuscripts that are sub- in my submission pile and I'm deciding whether or not, I want to sign that book. Like if it's something I want to offer a presentation mm-hmm. on the, the metric and this, we're going to get into polish here in a second, but like the metric is never, is this book ready to be typeset right now? Cause the answer it's, is always no, or almost cause always the answer no. is, is the answer. I've, I don't think I've ever seen an answer book that is ready right out, right out of the pile. But like it's, can I see, do I see a route? Right. Like, do you see the way that this book could be made ready? And that's the stage that I think that writers need to think about, you know, getting stuff, you know, as they finish drafts and stuff. And so, like, let's back up for a second Mm -hmm. and let's go to back to that fundamental question that everyone like, let's just take our hypothetical writer who just finished their NaNoWriMo book. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the question they're wondering is, okay, when do I show this to people? And the answer to me at this stage is not for a while. Um, because I think that, so there's, I guess it depends when you want to bring in reader feedback, but for me, when you draft something like that, especially if it's quick, the idea then has to become, well, you yourself are going to have changes to it, right? Like I would, and this is a good rule of thumb for me, I guess, is like, if there is a way that I can make it better and I know that it can be made better, I want to do that myself. And by, Does that make sense? That might be too exacting, but what do you think of that? <laughs> I think I think it's good. The, the, you have to be able to fulfill two things with your manuscript because yeah. there will always be the case where you can't see the forest for the trees. It's do you know what's wrong with it? 
And can you fix it? So sometimes you might know what's wrong with it and you can't fix it. And a lot of the times that's probably because you're too close to it or what you think is wrong with it actually isn't wrong with it. It's just a symptom from something else that's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't know how to fix it, that's, you know, that's when you when it's really valuable to bring somebody in. If you don't know what's wrong with it. That's the perfect time to bring somebody in. And and now I'm not talking about like you finish it and you're feeling good about it and you just send it to something. No, no, no. I'm talking about like you write it, you let your subconscious like like toil over it. You let yeah. it sit, you revise it and you go, oh, I'm like, I hate all of this. And you fix it. And you're like, I like all of this. And you, you keep doing that um, until you get to a place where you've taken it as far as you can go. And I think that that is, that's the key phrase right there. And that's going to be kind of the key phrase across all all these stages. As we talk about self-editing, as we talk about um, others editing the book, it's like, get it. Because one thing like for me, like in the experience I have writing, my least favorite thing in the whole world is sending something to someone and have them tell me something that's wrong with it that I already knew was wrong with it. Yeah. Like, and it's, and it's, it's one thing if I know it's wrong and I don't know how to fix it and I send it to them anyway and ask for help on that specific thing. And it's another is if I send something out and I know that something is, something needs fixing, it's in my power to fix. And then they just tell me to fix that. You know what I mean? Because like, and this, I guess we could get a little bit into like, it's a lost opportunity because you, you don't, you don't want somebody to be spending time trying to solve a problem that you don't need solved that you just like didn't take the time to do. You want them to find problems that you can't find. Right. And so that means that involves a certain amount of being able to fix problems that you can find that you don't need other people to show to you. And that involves, I think, which is kind of the spirit of this season to me is getting that distance from your work. Right. Like setting it aside for as long as it takes. And honestly, it might be more than a month. Like you might need to just like, set the draft aside, work on something else or hell, not work on anything Might for be a, while. a year. Like, you know, just put it aside for a second until you can look at it clearly. And I think like, as we do all these, you know, posts and stuff about like hating your own work and cutting it to pieces and like, you know, finding better starting points and cutting it and all these like things that we're tweeting about all the time, like the spirit of that underlies all of it is being able to see your work as something other than the precious jewel you made. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you have to be able to see it and appraise it as work. And if, and before, if you're at a stage where you can't yet do that and that's fine, everyone is in that stage, then it's not time to edit yet and you need to slow down. Right? Like it's just, you know, people can get, and this is not, this is, I, you know, you say this and it sounds dismissive, but it's not because everyone does this. I do it. You do it anyone who's worked on any sort of words, especially writers do it, you can get precious. You know what I mean? Like you can get, you can start to feel like what you've got is perfect, that it moved you to write it, that you, this is the moment, you know, you've got it all exactly how you want it. And if you feel like that, it's not time to show it. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's not time to, it's not time to, excuse me. It's not time to evaluate it yet. Um, because you're too close. And so step one, I think, to all this is getting that distance. We've been talking about that online a little bit this week. But say you've done that, and then you've got it all fixed. Like the question then, you know, someone asked us a question about beta readers that I thought was really good. Um, so let's let's just paint, let's just progress the hypothetical a little mm-hmm. bit here. So you've written the book. 
you've set it you've set it aside for a while you've revised you, the book you've then revised the book you fixed or i guess revised almost is too much of a big catch-all but rather you have fixed the things that you know need fixing you've and done that you the know stuff. how to fix exactly you've done this you've done what you can on it right and i think that's kind of the golden rule which is like get to a place where you can't do anymore <laughs> um and if once you're there you're sending it to readers right that's the first step always not an agent not an industry professional you're sending i guess maybe sometimes your readers are industry professionals who i don't know who you know but like the point is to get it to to people who are reading it as readers not as like editors and, right and these people should not be your woo girls they should not be your mom they should not be anybody who is going to just say that they love it because they love you um they also like they shouldn't be required in a lot of ways to do like the heavy lifting of an editor because that's a different role like what the best thing that i was ever taught about a beta reader and i use beta readers to decide um things in terms of my existing authors books and also books that I'm looking to acquire. And that's actually the... a really critical point, <laughs> I think, yeah. to raise is that we do this beta readers are not just a writer thing. Yeah. Like there's something we use too because we can get even when it's not something we wrote, it's something there are books that we can get too close to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the the most valuable thing that I was ever taught about beta readers is that they're not here to solve problems. They're there right. to point to what issues are. And so what you should do is not just say, like, what would you change? It's it's a lot more of, hey, can you read through this? Flag what you really liked or when you really connected with something or when you got bored or when you yep. got confused yep. or, like, you know, it's kind of because them flagging when they got bored or confused, that's something you need to fix. Um. And the things that they really like, it's worth delving into why it is that they liked those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's let's get to a question. So we we put out a call for questions mm-hmm. um, about just this topic, you know, the topic of self-editing, r- critiques, like that kind of stuff. Someone asked us, and this is from um, at Quite Vague on Twitter. Um, they ask, how reliable are, in quotes, this is great slash this is unpublishable beta readers, and how can you tell if yours are reliable? Ooh. Which is a good question. It's yeah. kind of what you're talking about. So reliable, they shouldn't be, you know, the woo girls, and they shouldn't be on the other side of the spectrum either. Um, the doomsayers, yeah. Right, 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 right. And so you, your, your, your beta readers are not valuable in terms of wholesale value judgments. They are valuable. It's not outcome driven. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah, the, the, they are valuable in terms of the specific moments. That they responded to because and I yeah. and I talk about this a lot and I'm not sure if I've ever really talked about it on print run, but all editing really seeks to do is like fine tune the emotional manipulation that is a story. And yes, what I mean it's about by that yes. is how I'm gonna is what I'm Yeah, and so yeah. what what I mean by that is like you are like manipulated, and that sounds like such a bad word, but it's not a bad word. What you're doing is with a story you are asking and you are convincing a reader to 
create a bond with a character. You are asking them to be interested. Yeah. You are asking them to be invested. And that's in like a or plot. A story, yeah. Right. And yeah. like a plot and the different plot points and the whole point of rising tension and climaxes and um and betrayals and twists and turns and whatever is because you're manipulating that relationship in order to strengthen it. Okay. Yeah. So like what you're doing yeah. is you're, you know, you're, there's a reason that you put somebody in um, that you give somebody flaws and you put something, somebody in a bad position. And so the purpose of a beta reader is to be the first kind of canary in the coal mine, as it were, for that emotional manipulation. They're the and first if they people come out dead and covered in coal. Like, <laughs> yes. If they, if they are, um, if they are not responding to what you want them to respond to, right. you have work to do. If they are responding to things that you did not prepare for, maybe you should consider that as something that you should work into your book. So um, that's kind of that's kind of how I see yeah. beta readers as well. Is that it's less about um, like every so. I just sent out my manuscript to beta readers for a second. I have time. it. Woo! You do have it, uh, which was a mistake on my part. <laughs> I hate that you have it. But um, <clears throat> one thing I remember doing the first time through as well, when before that kind of a stage, and this is where people would be in our hypothetical, before anyone else has seen anything, like I, wa- I had this impulse to like type out a bunch of leading questions mm-hmm. and like you know, have like this laundry list of things I wanted people to respond to. Um, because I, you know, I, you, any writer has questions, you know, that who's looking for feedback has specific things they want to know about and you, but I decided against it because I kind of landed where you land, which is like, it's about feel with mm-hmm. beta readers. Like you want these people to respond as though they are readers of the book, not your editor, not your agent. You want like, and that's where like getting into what you're describing, I think is really important. It's like, you want to use that step as a means of exploring whether or not you're hitting the right notes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is this moment that you kind of viewed as really poignant and emotional? Is that actually hitting people in the way that even if it needs some work, even if it needs a little something, if the pace, you know, whatever kind of mechanical thing that's fixing is, is the heartbeat there? You know what right. I mean? Like, is the story arcing in an emotional way or in a, you know, pacing way in the in the mode that you want like are the big building blocks in place right and you do that and you hope for the best and but like that's i think the key to a beta reader is Mm -hmm. that you aren't looking so like to answer this person's question like anyone is saying you know if you if you give it to like a set of four right or i don't know how many beta readers people use like if it's if it's like four people three people whatever probably like the person who says this is great and doesn't have that, you know, like that person is probably, you can probably take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. It's nice to have, it should be bolstering, you know, look at that mate, look at that person's comments when you're feeling a little down, put it in a little email folder with all of the other nice things people have ever said about you (laughs) and look at it when you're sad. That's very, that's useful too. And then there's probably people you have, you know, the person who says this is unpublishable, like if it's, to me, I would toss that. I would probably toss that. Person well, of course, out. it's um, unpublishable. Unless, it's not ready yeah, yet. Exactly, exactly. Because that—that's like not the question. You know what I mean? Like, if they if they get into if they give you an X, Y, and Z for why they had issues with it, okay, that's useful. Um, but if they if they're just like making a value judgment without much rationale that you can be that can be acted upon, then I you probably okay to just toss that too. And um, what you're hoping for is readers who are kind of in the middle who can 
um, who say, like, I guess, like, maybe the way to put it is this is not a stage where you should be seeking value judgments and more specifically compliments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is not the stage where your book becomes good enough to be published. This is the stage for you to, like, begin the long road of is this reader feeling what I want them to be feeling? Right. So we also got a question from a listener that that I think very much has to do with the next stage. So you you get your your feedback back from the re- from the beta readers, you look over it, you threw a couple of them out, you kept a couple. Now you have all of this data and you need to interpret it. Um not only that, but I'm sure that something deeply blatantly obvious that is now just like shining with red neon lights at yep. you. Um, yep. It's something you completely missed before. <laughs> uh, right. And now you need to figure out how to completely change your book. Right. So let's talk for just a moment, Eric, about how to implement really, really big and large scale changes in your book. Because because a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about and teaching mechanical stuff, right? They, yep. they, they talk about grammar. They talk about sentence structure. They talk about individual line by line style. What nobody mm-hmm. ever talks about is how to, like, get rid of a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so just as a quick step back for a second, do you see why emotional distance from your work is so key? Because, like, you know, people use the expression, like, killing your darlings or whatever, you know, as, like, a means of, like, removing bits of your manuscript that are fairly beloved that you know need to go. But for the kind of thing you're describing where it's something even bigger, like, it can't be a darling at all. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to just, like, cut this stuff in a way that is fairly dispassionate, right? Like, and this kind of gets back to that shift we're always talking about where it's like you have to be able to see this as work and not your pet project at this stage because sometimes it's going to be kind of like the thing that needs doing isn't exactly elegant. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if you have to cut, like I, you know, for instance, when I got my feedback back, I've got a novel that has three kind of rotating protagonists and I sort of came to the decision that one of them needed to be completely rewritten. You know what I mean? Like that's not an elegant thing to have to do. That's not like a little tweak on your perfect little gem. Like that's uprooting something in your story and redoing it entirely, you know? And it's like, so how did you go about doing that? Well, first of all, how did you come to that decision? And then how did you make the changes? Well, so let's, yeah. So I think coming to that decision is kind of key. And the first thing you do is, you make sure you're in a good place before you read through all the feedback, right? Like you're able to be criticized. Like, and it's fine to not be feel like you can get criticized right now. It just means it's not time yet. You know what I mean? Like you can just sit. But when you are when you are at the point where you can read through all the feedback, like the thing I start looking for is less, and we kind of touched on this, but it's less about individual recommendations and more about large scale patterns. Hmm. Right. So like if one reader says they didn't like thing a about a given plot line and reader two says they didn't like, you know, something else about it. And reader three says something they didn't like, it's not as though you need to go address each of those individually. The problem is like, they're all different ways of stating the same sort of root writing issue you know what i mean like which is that this particular bit wasn't executed well enough Mm -hmm. you know like you got to use feedback as a means of translating it back toward what you can do as a writer is like and so like for instance in my thing like 
which is still very much in the middle of these stages, right? Like I'm not claiming to have some sort of, but just in terms of the way I think about it, as honest as I can be is like, you know, I got in a bunch of feedback from several people who I trust and like, and they all had differing issues. They all had things, you know, that they saw that were, um, you know, wrong and, you know, want, they, they, they all had recommendations. And one of my big things with beta readers is I would ignore all recommendations. Like, if that makes sense, like you want them to point to problems rather than provide solutions. And so like, no one told me to go and redo, like no one told me to do the thing I ended up doing. But what I decided after looking at everyone's feedback is that the best way to kind of tackle all the many issues would be to kind of redo this this one section of the book, right? So then so, how did you go about it? Well, so, I mean, it involved, it sort of gets into that idea of, like, are you someone who outlines? Are you someone who just kind of goes with the flow? Like, I'm a pretty heavy outliner. And so I, you know, I kind of, like, one thing that I think is really good at the front of a revision is to just kind of type up a memo to yourself for what it is you plan to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, here's you've accepted feedback and now here is a summary to yourself of what needs doing and how you're going to do it. And so like what I did was I just like made a book length plan. I said, you know, okay, these big fundamental things need to get addressed. Um, these, you know, along the way, these smaller things that might get addressed too residually as I do that bigger thing. So, and you just kind of make yourself a cohesive plan and then you, you know, behave according to the plan. And when you get lost in the woods of your own book, you go back and you refer to it. You know what I mean? Like it's, and so for me, like the key was to just like give myself, give myself a roadmap, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that was, that was kind of the big thing that I did. So you said something really interesting in there that I just want to pull out and tease for everybody. So you talked about how you start with the big thing and then go small. A lot of people, um, the the instinct is to start with what hurts the least, which is the easy yes. line by line yes. stuff. Yes, yes, that's the wrong way to do it. Well, um, it's the wrong way to do it because you're probably going like, to cut it. Right, you're going to cut that stuff, and you're, you're editing material that's going to change anyway once you do the big right. thing. Right. So. so, so instead of starting with the easiest thing and then going to the biggest thing. Um, or the hardest thing, I should say. Notice I say hard and big together because it's the same thing. Because um, the big, the big, big changes are really, really difficult. And so yeah. that, however, you can tackle your big thing. Um, and that looks different for every book. Sometimes it's getting rid of something. Sometimes it's adding something. Sometimes it's just honestly just like rewriting it and changing the beats of the story. Um But you can, so within that big thing, you can definitely start going with what's the easiest. So, okay, let's say I need to change this third perspective completely. Some people, it's easiest for them to start at the beginning and go chronologically. Sometimes it is easier for them to go in the scenes that are more plot driven or more character driven versus the other kind. Um, I picked the big moment and worked backwards. Oh, okay. There you go. See, um, like you can, you which, can, however you get there, however yeah. you get there in the easiest yeah. way you, so even though you're doing the hard thing first, you can pick the easiest path to that hard thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I think so. And like, it's, and again, this is fundamentally this, and this is kind of the sp- like, if there's one like kernel, you know, there's one like spirit of the season, so to speak, like 
it's being able to be self-critical without being self-judgmental. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you have to understand that all of this, all this correction, all this editing, all this revising, it's not because you did anything wrong or you wrote it badly or you did whatever you're drafting, right? Like, and the key is to be able to see it that way. The key is to be able to look at your words and say, okay, step one is what like drafting it in a certain way is what made it so that I could then make these mm-hmm. changes and make you it strong. You can't edit like a blank page, essentially. Exactly. Like it's, and that's some, actually, so like one thing I do tell a lot of my writers, you know, all the time, you know, when they want to get involved, at, like a lot of them like to send, you know, the impulse is to send things early, you know, and one Just thing I feedback, say. Just for feedback, Eric. Right, Just right, right. for some feedback. <laughs> one thing I try to say is that, look, it's easier, like, let's talk about something that exists. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we can let's work on material that we can actually mess with as opposed to being hypothetical, you yeah. know? And so ooh, and, ooh, one other editing point yeah. before we move on um, is that, well, you're okay. So you're starting with the hard thing and going to the easier things. Yeah. Um, what you should not under any circumstances endeavor to do is, try to make one scene perfect before moving to the next scene by going through all of the issues because you'll find that you'll need to keep going back and unpicking your stitches as you go. Yes, Um, But also because the human brain is not wired to do that. Like if you are trying, if you have a checklist of five different things that you're supposed to watch for, you can't edit each and every line and each and every page by cycling through those five things because you lose the rhythm. Right. And then you end up not editing what it is that you're actually trying to do. Um, so go through the whole manuscript for the big thing, let it sit, then go through the whole manuscript for the second big thing, and then yeah. the third the third big thing, and then eventually you'll get to the to the polishing stage, which is where we're going to move to now. So let's back up and go to our hypothetical again for a second, right? So like we've you've written the thing, you've gotten feedback on the thing, you've implemented that feedback. What now? Right? Like it's a question of like what is like what does polishing mean what does like when is it ready you know what i mean like when is when is this thing you've been working on that you're probably way too close to again because you've just spent <laughs> however long you know dealing with the manuscript all over again like how do you know when it's ready and i think this is a question that's tricky to people because you see a lot of what feels like seemingly conflicting advice like i've seen Agents and editors, you know, talk about, um, you know, wanting to make sure that your book gets out, you know, they call it a line edit, you know, beforehand, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, all your grammar and stuff is right. And other people who will say, um, you know, oh, it's, it's okay if your manuscript is, you know, it's still got some, you know, cosmetic errors and stuff to it. Okay. So real, and, real quick, I yeah. have a, I have a very strong opinion on this. Um, uh, fire away. <laughs> so... Typos and mechanical errors only matter insofar as they pull you out of the story. That's why we talk right. about how you need your first 10 pages or first three chapters or whatever to be flawless. Right. But, you know, page 200, you have two typos in the same page, eh, whatever. It it's because we're so already much, into yeah. the story, right? And so the right. big thing is it does not need a professional copy editor. It does not right. need anything like that. All it needs is mechanical errors fixed enough so that nobody is pulled out of the book that's it exactly like that's it and what that what that is depends i mean that's a that's a shifting meter depending on 
the type of story you've got. That's, that is the thing, right? Like if you've written this, um, like, I guess I sort of imagine like, in, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but like with children's books or you like younger mm-hmm. books that are really short, it's like, maybe you can be a little bit more exacting. You know what I mean? Like, because there's just less words there. But like, mm-hmm. if a novel is like 80,000 words long, they, all those words don't have to be perfectly grammatically correct. It's not, correct, even, you know it's not I mean? even about word length, though. Like, a lot of what you're doing when you're revising your manuscript and you're editing for, um, with the with the idea of, like, showing it to people and it's getting towards that, like, finished stage, um, what you're doing is you're also using your prose to control the speed of the reader. And so when you have sentences where people are really laboring over and it's, you know, it's, and it's slow and it's plotting, like you want to be more careful where it's something that people are perhaps like flying through. You just really have to make like mechanical errors in terms of like punctuation are usually a little bit easier to handle than like typos. Um, because that'll snag if it's a word that doesn't belong there, your mind might snag on that. And so, right. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, I mean, the big thing is, like, fix them when you see them, basically. <laughs> and so, like, that actually, all of this is actually much more granular than I think the spirit of the question is, who says, right? Which is that... When is it polished? How do you know, how do you know when, because theoretically we're at a stage here where you've implemented feed, or you've made an attempt to implement feedback, right? And mm-hmm. the question is, did you do it well enough to send it around? How do you know, like... This is where, and this I think is a tricky stage because it's instinctively where people really do start looking for value judgments. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want someone who knows something to say, "Yep, it's good to go." Like you should send it out, or or the other way, like someone should give you the big, you know, stamp of nope, you got to go back to the drawing board. And the answer, it's going to end up with you. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna, like I think, like what I would do in this circumstance is I would probably go back to at least a couple readers, maybe not all of them, you know, depending on who gave you feedback, who maybe had a point that in retrospect, after having done the revisions, you're specifically wondering about like, and just ask what they think, you know, they don't even have to read the whole thing again, whatever it is. Like maybe they can just look at a specific bit and tell you what they thought. Um, But like, it's almost a, it's almost a personal question more than it's an art question, at least at some point where it's, it's kind of like, do you feel again, like it's that same, it's that same kind of guiding piece of logic. Like, have you taken it as far as you can take it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and do you feel that having done all that, it's a piece of work that's, that is indicative of where you are as a writer and that you would feel proud to show someone. Yeah. And honestly, like you wouldn't have done all of this work if you didn't think that it was publishable. So like turning to other people and being like, hey, is this like, do you think I can get this published? Like, that's the wrong question. It's also the wrong question because like lots of things that are publishable have trouble finding agents or have trouble finding like it's just tough out there. You know what I mean? Like there's no one who has like the gold ticket answer. Like you have to just be able to. Like, you just got to trust your gut a little bit. And the way to make it your gut such that it is trustable is to really work through these things critically. Like, do you feel that you've engaged with this stuff in exactly the level that you want? My dog is chewing a toy right at me right now. Eventually, it just comes down to, you know, whether or not you feel that not only something has you've put in what you're proud to have put into it, but also that it's indicative of who you are. So I wonder if that should be the question more than 
like, is it publishable? It's, is this piece of work indicative of who you are as a writer right now? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you feel that that's strong enough to show someone and you've gotten responses from betas that make you feel, you know, they enjoyed it, you know, they felt that they feel good about it. If your team feels good about it and you feel good about it, then I think you should probably feel safe querying. You know what I mean? And you should obviously we do a million hours of radio about how much care you should put into that process. But but like just. Yeah, I mean, maybe like the way of the logic that I always put toward it, like if there's one phrase that I tell myself as a writer a lot and as an agent, too, but it's like do yourself justice, mm-hmm. you know, like if something needs more time, it needs more time. And there's never you're never going too slow, you know, like it's always OK to take another minute on it, to do whatever, obviously, you know, be reasonable and like realize that eventually if you're going to do it, you do have to show it to someone at some point. But like it's OK to spend a minute on it. Like it's okay to take another round. Like you don't have to rush and it's never a good thing to rush. Yeah. Rushing, rushing, like you're not being precious with your, your work by like waiting and like sitting on it and taking forever to do a book because that's what the process is. And if you are, if you're unsure, if you are, if you're both unsure whether you should be ready to pitch and you can't think about this book anymore because you've exhausted yourself on it, just let it sit for a while. It's okay. Like, it's really fine to do that. Yeah. And so I guess, like, the last stage um, is us. Is us. And so, like, we'll move ahead here. Like, you know, we've decided that we like the thing. So let's talk about how this yeah. kind of editorial question plays into our own life. Like, So we, how talked, you, yeah. we talked at the beginning of this episode about um, our what we're editing toward. We're editing to sell, right? Right, um, right. And so I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because all yeah. of my beautiful authors sent me manuscripts all at once. <laughs> Um, and so I've been spending, yeah, I've been spending the fall kind of reading and, and revising with them. Um, and I think ultimately by the time we get something like we're not, um, we're like what I'm looking for. I think when I know something is ready is I, I, um, I very much visualize it. Like it's a, like it's a wave and we're kind of being like like carried along the wave. Whereas like I, as a reader and I read these books multiple times before I give any sort of editorial marketing judgment. Cause I want to read it the first time for emotion. And then again, for, for more sure. specifics. Um, sure. But a, a book that to me is ready well, so to actually, go hold, out. Hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Cause you just said something really interesting. Yeah. Reading it twice, once for emotion, once for specifics yeah. is almost indicative of why you should only why like how to use beta readers earlier, right? Because yeah. like you want people like it sounds like your first response is as a beta reader and your second response is as an agent. Yes, except almost. I give my beta notes to myself. Exactly exactly. <laughs> but like but like it's a really good illustration of the exact split we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so so once I, yeah, good, good catch. So once I am like, I'm feeling really comfortable that I understand the, the emotional aspect of all of this and I, and I really get it. Um, when it's ready to go, it feels ready. And what I mean by that is when I read it, even though there are some things that are a little bit rough or there are some typos or whatever, what it, what it does is the story and the characters and like the tension is solid enough that it pulls me effortlessly through the story and gets me invested. And not everybody is going to be invested, right? Like people are going to say no to this book, but for the right person, the person who like me really likes this book, um, 
it's it's there. So like the 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 rest of it is just set dressing, right? Yep. But the yep. the parts of it that I'm being kind of brought along this wave, I'm being effortless effortlessly manipulated. I guess is a way <laughs> a way I think about it. I think for me, it's almost like I quit wincing. That's you know, or I quit. Fair. <laughs> I quit gritting my because you know how it's what it's like when you watch like a kid at a piano recital, or you watch yeah. like someone like ice skating. And you're like worried that they're going to fall and you know what mm. I mean? Or they're going to mess up. I send things out when I no longer feel like that reading a manuscript. When it feels like this thing is solid. We've got the piece down. We've nailed it. Your manuscript it's, has learned how to ice skate. They've joined the hockey team. To play, it's learned how to play the little Beethoven thing. <laughs> um, it's all good. You know, we're all very proud of it. It can have McDonald's on the ride home. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think that, so like for me, like things are ready to go. It, part of it is also like when I can sense like a big part of being an agent, right, is understanding the moods of your authors, understanding where they're at with certain things, understanding where their energy is. And like if I can just feel that something is done, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's just clear that we're not going to like we are not going to take this another round. You know, if they're barking at me like my stupid puppy who just <laughs> opened up my couch while we were recording, um, if <laughs> you know, I, I think that it's I think that's what we're looking for. Like, we feel done. So while I wish we could say that there is a very like one specific thing that me that that will make this book ready, um, ultimately, like we have acquired this book for our taste. We are editing it towards a kind of like large scale version of our own taste. Right. Um, And we're going to sell it as such. And so with that idea in mind, like that's what we mean by it's polished. You know, we're floating along effortlessly. You've got, you know, McDonald's in the back of the car. Um, (laughs) (laughs) all, All of it is is like smooth and all of the little stuff. Like you, what you've demonstrated is the mastery of the story. Yeah. And beyond that, um, you know, if the writing is still a little bit weird or a little bit rough, like you've got one sentence, like later I've, I get authors who are just like horrified. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. It's that like literally, yeah, that, literally yeah. nobody ever knows. That's fun. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's really what polish is like you know you can't like you think about a statue like a marble statue you can polish it until it is a completely amorphous lump or you can only polish it until you know it's it's done in the way that you see it and certain parts might be rougher certain parts might be smoother and that can be intentional and that's okay um so yeah your work is like a marble is like a marble statue who plays hockey and is a wave. Um, this is our definitely our most overwrought metaphor. Episode. I'm on a lot of cold fine. medicine. Um, yep. But so with, with that, yeah. um, I would like to welcome you all to Decembo. Thank you so yes. much for being here with us. And we will see you for a regular episode next week. Bye. Thank you.